Did you know using your browser in incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? Take back your privacy with IPVanish VPN. Just one tap and all your data, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be instantly protected. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. Use IPVanish on all your devices, anytime you go online at home and especially on public Wi-Fi. Get IPVanish now for 70% off a yearly plan with this exclusive offer at IPVanish.com audio. You're listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com. Hey everyone, welcome to episode two of the MLS Multiplex Podcast. I am Drew Hubbard here with Josh Boland again as usual. Josh, how's it going? Uh, much of the uh, much of the same as, as last week, as good as things can be right now with uh, the virus and everything. Yeah, so with the virus, um, league development, uh, MLS announced uh, that they would be extending their break in accordance with CDC guidelines um, to eight weeks, um, extending from the four weeks that they had previously announced. And NWSL took their first hit um, with the virus pushing back the start of their regular season. Uh, Preseason had already been pushed back, uh, but now with the new... CDC guidelines regular season has been postponed from their original date in mid-April, um, which I think was really expected with everyone. Um, sports are continuing to be postponed, so I think everyone was kind of expecting MLS to and NWSL to be pushed back a little bit. Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, again, this is it's just such a weird weird time this is a weird event to be dealing with uh, especially from a sports perspective and um uh, like you said it, it it's unfortunate of course but kind of expected at this point for uh nwsl to push their start date start date back and uh obviously mls extending their postponement um so unfortunate but uh yeah at this point definitely expected yeah, so it's an unfortunate turn of events, but we expect it and um, are waiting for MLS and NWSL to return. MLS actually, in their announcement, um, said that the league was considering putting these games on the tail end of the season like they had done um, in previous years. So maybe we'll get MLS Cup in December like we're used to. Um, but nonetheless, league's being postponed. But yeah, it's our second episode. Um, hope you guys listened to the first one. And because it's our second episode, we're going to let you guys get to know us a little better in our soccer memories. Um, yeah, so we're both from Atlanta, uh, Atlanta United supporters. Whether you, that, that makes you happy or not, sorry. Um, so, Josh, for you, what do you think, in all the time you've been a soccer fan, what's the best game you think you've seen live? Uh, well, like you said, we are, unfortunately, for most listeners, Atlanta United supporters um, in the Atlanta area. So I, I think I've been to, I've been trying to keep track of all the games I've been to. And I've been to, I think, 35 or 36 games. And all but two are Atlanta United games. So unfortunately, it's going to be sort of heavy in that regard. But uh, as far as the best game I've seen in person, uh you know, when we were trying to line up what games uh, fit this category, um, I, I came up with three to kind of pick from, sort of a toss-up. I've got MLS Cup 2018, um, Decision Day 2017, which was Atlanta and Toronto, and I think it was the first time the roof was open at Mercedes-Benz. It was a very beautiful fall day in October, so um, that was a good game, very back and forth. And then the First leg of the playoffs against uh, Red Bulls in 2018, um, and you know what? I think, I think I'll go with that one. I'm gonna have to pick the Red Bulls game um, for a couple of reasons. the The biggest one was, you know, as you know, but for those who don't know, up until that point, Atlanta had yet to even beat Red Bulls, and it had been four games before then, I think. And um, I, <laughs> I have a very pessimistic outlook when it comes to Atlanta sports as most Atlanta sports fans do and um, I was definitely expecting to lose to Red Bull I wasn't expecting like anything good out of it 
and uh, came away with the with a three nothing win. And I just remember the whole building just going ballistic when uh, Tito Villalba scored that third goal. And uh, just it just felt like after the first goal, like everything that went Atlanta's way was just a total gift. Uh, again, super unexpected, I think, from a, a historical standpoint from the previous matches. But for me, that that's I think I'm going to go with that uh, leg one of the Eastern Conference uh, was it Eastern Conference final in uh, 2018 against Red Bulls. Best one I've seen. Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely talk more about because I was at that game too. I was in the supporter section. I got to sneak in to the supporter section, but we'll talk more about that game later. But I think, yeah, MLS Cup 2018, um, that's hard to beat just because um, it was the first championship for Atlanta that I had been alive to see. I wasn't alive for the only other one. So that was cool to see that. But I think I'm going to have to go with the first game um, against the Red Bulls. Uh, they lost 2-1, to one, um, which was unfortunate. I think Carlos Carmona got a red card, so that was kind of a bummer. But just when Yamil Assad scored that goal, it was just Bobby Dodd just exploded. And I think because everyone knew that Atlanta was going to be decent, I don't think they knew how good they were going to be. Um, they didn't know how good Almiron and Joseph was going to be. But there was some expectation of winning. So when they scored the goal, it was kind of this sense of a successful sports team in the city. Um, which I'm like you, I have a very pessimistic view of Atlanta sports. And at that time, that was a month to the day after the Super Bowl. So Atlanta was not a good place to be for sports. So that game and that goal was kind of a new wave um, of fresh air for Atlanta sports fans. And then final whistle came and that was all gone. But for a couple of minutes there, it was a lot of fun. Um, so that was a good moment, and just seeing how well the city supported it. So MLS Cup is hard to beat. Um, that Eastern Conference Finals was definitely a good one, but I think I'm going to have to say the inaugural game between the Red Bulls. There's still a Bobby Dodd, but that was a lot of fun, a lot better than I thought it was going to be. I went to the game not expecting a whole lot, um, just because new franchise and all that, but it definitely um, exceeded all my expectations for sure. Yeah, I was fortunate enough to go to that game too, and I definitely didn't have any expectations. I just didn't really know what it was going to be like, what the atmosphere was going to be like and all that. And, um, yeah, I mean, the first goal was great, but I remember once that second Red Bulls goal went in, I think it was off Anton Walks for an own goal, but once they went down 2-1 after leading for, like, the first 70, 75 minutes, it just like, oh, it just hurt so bad after the Super Bowl. <laughs> it just felt like classic Atlanta bleeding for most of the game and then blowing it right at the end. Yeah, but so that was a good one. And you mentioned um, the 2018 Eastern Conference Finals, and that leads in to our next point, which is the best goal we've seen live. And for me, you mentioned it a little bit. But that Tito Vialba goal, um, the third one, because he had just been subbed on not too long before that. But that yes, very very good goal. Yeah, that's the best goal I've ever seen live because I've watched replays of it and I still don't know if it's hit if it hit the ground or not on the shot. But I think it came as close as you could without hitting the ground as possible. Like it was the definition of a worm burner, and it just the movement on it with it being that low in like a couple of minutes before he hit the post. So it was just, he was due for one. And I think that goal was kind of like the exclamation point that the whole stadium thought that they had clinched it, which they eventually clinched it. Um, they lost the next leg, but still got to go. So I think that third yeah, it doesn't count. It doesn't count. Yeah. It does, yeah. That, that loss doesn't count. Um, but that third goal was kind of like this relief that they were actually going to go to the final, I thought. Yeah, I totally agree with you 100% on that. The, the You're right. I, the, I forgot the moment, a couple moments before. He came so close to scoring off the post, and I think he nutmegged a dude or two like, yes. prior to that as well. Like You're right. He was definitely due for a goal. And um, I, I couldn't tell from the angle of my seat from where I was in the stadium, but watching replays later, he – 
I guess it's his his left foot is his weak foot, but it was definitely off his left, and he just the spin he got onto that ball, and that's why Robles didn't even move. I mean, it looked like he was going to go outside the post, and then just curved in at the last second and snuck in there. So that was a very very good goal. Yeah. So for you, do you think that was the best goal you've ever seen live, or what's what's your top goal? Uh, it's funny thinking about the goals I've seen live. Um, so two factors in this. The first is that, you know, being an Atlanta fan and watching lots of games at Mercedes-Benz, you don't see a lot of visiting goals. So I thought, you know, hey, like, what's a really good, like, opposing team goal I've seen? And I, I couldn't really think of any. And, and the truth of the matter is not a lot of other teams score in Atlanta. And then after that, I was like, okay, well, Atlanta's sure to have some, like, really great goals. And, and then when you think about it, like, Joseph Martinez is doing most of the scoring, and he's not really, like, the prettiest finisher, which is fine. No complaints here. But he doesn't really score, like, any really beautiful goals. He has one every now and then, but the majority of him him scoring is just, it's just ugly. Um, but upon thinking about it, I have to go with uh, Miguel Omron's free kick against New York City um, in the Eastern Conference semifinal in that second leg home. I was sitting on that side of the stadium and I had actually just brought about six or seven friends to their first Atlanta United game ever. And um, just as they were lining up for the free kick, they're going to take it. And I literally said out loud, uh, Mickey's never scored one of these. <laughs> and sure enough, he scored it. And this obviously the, everyone was just so happy because he was such a huge fan favorite. But um, it was just such a well-taken free kick, and I didn't get to see any of Kevin Kras's free kicks earlier in the season. So I think to this day, uh, no, no, I've seen a Giovinco free kick goal um, from that decision day game in 2017. But besides that, the Almiron free kick is the only one that I've seen scored in person. Yeah, so I'm the exact opposite as you. I did not see um, Almiron's free kick, but I've seen three Kevin Kratz free kicks. I saw... The first, I guess his first one that introduced MLS to his free kick ability um, was that game against the Revolution where Atlanta beat him, I think, 7 to nothing. It was something ridiculous like that. And it was my first time in Mercedes-Benz. And when Kevin Kratz, like, got up to take it, I remember saying, like, who is this Kevin guy? Like, why isn't Almiron or Joseph taking this? And, like, right as I said that, he starts wheeling away and puts it perfectly and I was at the game with Montreal where he scored two like back to back so I forgot about my Kevin Kratz experiences but I've seen three I think of his free kick goals yeah I remember that revolution when I was sitting at home on the couch watching that game great game and um yeah I was the same way as you I was like why is why is Kratz standing over this like what what is he gonna do and then just a great free kick. So by the time the Montreal game rolled around, ah, that game was super frustrating. That was a that was a difficult game, even though the scoreline didn't really reflect it. But once he was uh, setting up for those kicks, I, I thought, oh, he's got this. After the way he, he took the one against the Revolution the year before, super confident that he was going to score those. And, of course, he did. Yeah, that was definitely a surprise to see. Kevin Kratz being the free kick king with all that talent, but the man knows how to do it, so give him credit to Kevin Kratz. But you mentioned the Atlanta sports pessimism we both possess, having lived through many a heartbreak. Um, so what do you think for you has been the worst game you've ever been in person to see? Well, uh, again, I'm going to have to go back to Red Bulls game. Um, this was in May of 2018, so it was the first game against Red Bulls that year. And again, this was at Mercedes-Benz. Um, and funny story about that day, I was taking, once again, I had a friend who'd never been to a, a match before, and so I, I was like, hey, I got tickets for this one, Like, I'll, I'll go ahead and take you to this one. And that day, the, the Braves are playing, the city's MLB team, and I can't remember who they were playing against, but they came back from like being down nine or 10 runs that day. Um, so I was super jacked up when I went to go meet my friend to go to this game. 
And I was like super excited. Like the Braves just had this amazing comeback and I was excited for her to see her first Atlanta United match. I was excited to be back in an Atlanta United match. It had been a, a few months since my last one. And it started off great. Um, Barco scored in the first 20 minutes, I think it was. Uh, it was pretty early. And everything was going fine. And then Joseph scored like 10 minutes later, maybe. But the goal was called back from VAR. Uh, he had fouled whoever the center back was that he was defending. I think it was Tim Parker. But that from then, from that point on, the last like hour of the game was just horrible. Um, Atlanta uh, fouled someone, some Red Bulls player in the box, and they got a penalty. Daniel Royer scored, uh, tied it up before the half. And then they came back out of the half, and Bradley Wright Phillips just put two up against Atlanta like so fast. I think it was like five minutes. He scored two goals. And so automatically, Momentum has just completely shifted, and it's now 3-1. Red Bulls are winning. And at this point, I mean, Atlanta fans are just, they're so angry. They're just so frustrated that the team is losing. They're not used to seeing it, and you could feel the the just frustration and anger in the stadium. And it started, it felt like it started to bleed into the players a lot. And so they were starting to play really frustrated, and they were honestly whining a ton. Um, they were kind of playing like spoiled brats. Uh, they, they wanted every call to go their way. Um, and it was just so frustrating to watch. And it eventually boiled over. I think Garza two-footed somebody, and he got a red, and he was sent off, so Atlanta had to play down a man. Uh, he injured his shoulder on the play as well and was out for like the next, I think it was five months. Um, and then uh, Kamar Lawrence hit the ground, hit his head on the ground, like landed on his chin and was unconscious for about 10 minutes. So at this point, Atlanta's down a man. They were, you know, quote-unquote screwed by VAR. Um, The fans are upset. The players are upset. And now all of a sudden this dude is laying motionless on the turf, and the game is just at a halt for what felt like an eternity. And by the end, fortunately Lawrence was okay, but by the end I think the refs put up 12 minutes of stoppage time it was just it was ridiculous and I have never felt so uncomfortable leaving a match before it was it was so weird the whole game itself was weird I mean if you took any one of those events and plugged them into a different match you'd probably walk away thinking ah yeah that was kind of a weird game like definitely not normal so to have like all four or five of those things happen in the same game it was just absurd and and here I am with my friend at their first Atlanta United match and the team loses and it's just craziness from start to finish. It's, it was such a wild affair. Yeah. When I was thinking about this, I was thinking of, it was a game this summer, uh, summer 2019 against the Red Bulls. Um, a lot of memories came against the Red Bulls and earlier that day, uh, United had opened up Mercedes Benz to watch the women's world cup final. Uh, so me and my friend got there, watched the women win uh, the World Cup, beat the Netherlands 2 nothing, And then after that, um, we weren't expecting an Atlanta win because it was the Red Bulls. And even though we had beaten them um, in the playoffs, still kind of felt like they had Atlanta's number. Um, and Atlanta was up, I think they were up 2-1. And then off a throw-in, I don't know, I think it was BWP scored it. Um, but he was just left wide open off a throw in and that tied it up. So it was a, such a good day watching the women win a World Cup and then just ruined by a draw that 100% felt like a loss. But I think the worst game I've seen live, I think has to be, it was 2017, the first playoff game for Atlanta against Columbus. Um, that's That's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, that was... That it's my first game in the supporter section. I'd always been like in the 300 levels, like way up there, um, and I was able to get down there. Um, so I was really excited to see what it's like, all the flags, and it was just the worst day ever. Like everyone was mad. Um, I came home smelling like beer. Of course. So that didn't help anything. <laughs> and like Atlanta, I mean, they were the better team, 100%, but Columbus had Zach Steffen and. I didn't know how good of a keeper he was at the time. Um, I was in the same boat. I had no idea. 
Yeah, after that game, it was very obvious to me that Zach Steffen was one of the best in the country. And lost in penalty kicks was just the worst possible thing to do. First playoff game, um, I don't even know how many times they hit the post. But, yeah, like, when I think back to all the games I've seen live, I'm in the same boat as you. Uh, I've seen pretty much every live game I've seen has been Atlanta United. Um, So not too many heartbreaking games from United. They've only been around for a couple of years. So I'm sure we're due for more in the next couple of years. Um, But going away from just the games you've seen live, we talked about the best goal we've seen live. What's a goal for you that you'll never forget? Like if it was like a really important goal or just an incredible goal or like what's a goal that you'll never forget? Yeah, so um, for me, you know, we talked about this on the last pod. Um, I haven't followed soccer a ton. Uh, It's really just been since Atlanta came into the league. But I think a lot of people will agree with me on this, but uh, Zlatan's uh, first goal in El Trafico. Um, And I didn't even really see it live. Uh, I was volunteering um, because this was on a Saturday, I think it was. So I I was a volunteer teaching... Uh, this this music thing, so I was just kind of following the game on Twitter as one does, and uh, I just remember my timeline just blowing up about this amazing goal that Zlatan has scored, and he'd only been in the game for like a minute, I think, not like not even a minute, and I just remember watching the video and just being appalled at what I had just witnessed, and um, I I went around showing basically everyone around me. I was like, hey, you got to check this goal out. Like this goal is just insane so I, I i don't think i'll ever forget seeing zlatan's uh first el trafico goal um and then from then i was just glued to twitter trying to see what was happening in that game and i can't believe galaxy came back in that game especially after the way lafc sort of started um on the front foot in that match so but it's just such a, a fantastic goal and, and then you see all the different camera angles of it and just how impressive it is and it's like the most storybook perfect debut like you can think of. And of course it's Zlatan Ibrahimovic doing it. Like who else? So that that one for me is probably the most unforgettable goal um, that I can think of. Uh, how about you? Yeah, that's it. I remember that goal. I just remember the commentary after he scored and like the announcers lost their mind as I think everyone in the soccer world did when that happened. But Oh yeah, rightfully so. Yeah, rightfully so. <laughs> Um, man, as I was thinking about this, I think I have to go back to, it was a toss-up between the 2014 U.S. World Cup run or the 2015 Women's World Cup when they won it all. And I think I got to give it to Carly Lloyd's like half-field chip of the Japanese goalkeeper that she did because I think, I think that was the goal that sealed the hat trick for her and they beat them 5-2. to two. Because, like, when it left her foot, I was like, what are you thinking? What are you doing? Like, that this isn't going to work. This never works. I try it all the time in FIFA, and it never works. <laughs> and then I see, like, the Japanese keeper, like, falling down and, like, tips off her hand off the post. And I'm just, like, I just stand up and laugh. Like, there's no way that just happened. And then you never doubted Carly Lloyd again. Yeah, that was the birth of me never doubting anything that woman does. But that, I mean... And that was so, so cool. Like, that was the first time I had been alive to see them win a World Cup. Um, and now I've seen two of them, two times them win it live. So, yeah, I think it was between that or, man, that 2014 run. I think of John Brooks's goal against Ghana. Um, I specifically think of Jermaine Jones's goal against Portugal. Yeah, that's another good one. I, I remember where I was for that one, too. And uh, I've actually got, uh, it's a different men's game. Later on down the list we'll talk about, but that that's another really good goal. I, m- I remember watching that Portugal game being shocked at how well we were handling things. Yeah, I remember. I had the same reaction when he lined up to shoot as I did with Carly because he was at the top of the box off that corner kick. And I was like, Jermaine Jones, don't you, don't you even think about it. And then he pulls away. I'm like, all right, this is going in the stands. Like, I don't even know who Jermaine Jones is. Who is this guy? And then I've, that, I'll never forget that goal. So that was a good one, too. Um, but, yeah, I think we'll talk a lot about that game in the coming minutes. 
What about uh, what's what's the first uh, soccer game you recall watching? First memory of a soccer game. Man, my first memory of soccer. I think we talked about this a little on the last pod. Um, same boat as you. I didn't grow up with soccer as much as a lot of people. So 2010 um, was a big was my turning point. I think um, specifically Landon Donovan's goal versus Algeria. So I think that game was the first game I remember watching, um, which I got lucky that I didn't get like a nothing nothing draw. I got some action. Um, so I think that game was probably the first game I watched, um, and then I watched him play Ghana in the round of 16, which they lost that one, which made the 2014 game so much better because I had a little taste of that Ghana rivalry, if you want to call it, that the U.S. had. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that Algeria game was probably the first one I watched, and I think I got glimpses of the England game earlier in the group just because it's England and like that had a lot of hype to it. Um, but from start to finish, the Algeria game was the first one I think I sat down and watched. I had no idea what was going on. Um, but when Landon Dawson scored the goal, I knew I knew I was in for a good one. What, what about you? What was your first one? Um, so the first goal I remember, or first game I remember watching, is actually the World Cup final in twenty or in two thousand six. Um, and like I said on the last pod, I grew up with so many of my elementary school friends um, playing soccer and being huge soccer fans. And one of my my best friend in elementary school, his family, um, they were hosting a World Cup watch party um, for that final. And I don't remember much. I do remember uh, Zinedine Zidane's headbutt because my friend and his family, I mean, they were losing their minds. They couldn't believe that this had just happened. And I remember cheering for Italy because my friend and his family were cheering for France. I just wanted to be this little punk kid that was that was cheering for the opposite team for you know whatever reason so I do remember Italy winning on penalty kicks and you know even not paying that much attention like the significance of Zidane's headbutt was just so huge and I remember my my friend and his dad they were just talking about how big this was and how it was probably his last game for France and how he's just going to go out like this and uh, it was just sort of surreal, and that's always really stuck with me, even though, you know, again, I, I didn't, I don't know anything else that happened in that tournament off the top of my head, and, and 2010 was when I really started to follow World Cup. Um, so back in, t- in 2006, just the headbutt and cheering on Italy and, and feeling some sort of happiness that the team I wanted to win somehow won. So that's the first game I remember ever watching. Yeah, I didn't, I was, I think I was six during that tournament, and so I, like, the last thing I was worried about was the World Cup in the Italy, in the Italy and France game, but I remember, like, seeing highlights of that and thinking, like, oh, gosh, what's going on, but, yeah, I was, like, that punk kid this past, the 2018 World Cup, I just randomly jumped on the Croatia bandwagon because, like, everyone in that group that they were in, like, had a good following, like, Argentina had Messi, so everyone was going crazy about them. Uh, Nigeria had a following, and I think it was just because their jerseys are so cool. So everyone was, like, a huge Nigeria fan. And then Iceland was in their group, too, which everyone likes Iceland because the Viking clap. Oh, yeah. Un- underdog mentality, all of it. I remember their Euro run in 2016, and, I mean, I was the same way. After, after they did so well at the Euros, I was like, Oh, Iceland, like, oh, I'm definitely going to cheer for these guys. Like, their country's so small. There's so little people. Yeah, so, like, everyone had their thing. And I saw, like, Croatia's checkered jerseys, like, look like a checkerboard. And I found one on Amazon for, like, 20 bucks. So I was like, all right, I'm full in. And I started doing research, and I was like, crap, this team actually is really good. And then they accidentally stumbled their way to the World Cup final, but get mauled by France, but it was a fun run for sure. Yeah, they definitely impressed. I remember just, I mean, Luka Modric was a man on fire in that tournament. He rightfully deserved the, I think it was the golden ball that he got. But uh, 
I mean, I'm the same way as you. I didn't know too much about Croatia. And then you start to be like, oh, I know this player. I know this player. Like, these are all really, really good players. All came together for him at the right time. Yeah. So that was definitely a fun run seeing a small country like that uh, get to the final. But, yeah, like you mentioned, France kind of with Pogba and Mbappe. They kind of made their way with him in the final. But So we talked about the games, the best games we've seen live. But for you, what do you think are some of the best games you've seen, whether it be like on a TV or whatever? What are the best games that you've seen? Yeah, so I've got a few on here, and this one's a a little bit more varied. Um, I'll go ahead and just kind of hit all of them and give them a couple quick ones, and maybe you also watch these. But the first one on top of my list um, that came to mind was the Western Conference Final. Uh, this past year between LAFC and Seattle. Um, Again, being from Atlanta and being such big fans of the club and everything they've done soccer-wise for the city and myself as an individual and all my friends, we watched um, that conference final with great attention, knowing we could either host MLS Cup if we beat Toronto or have to go to LAFC, which is a terrifying thing in the year 2019. So, myself, a couple of my roommates got together, watched LAFC versus Seattle, and one of my one of my friends he was, he predicted a three one Seattle win, and I that's what the score ended up being. So somehow he got it right, but I just remember that being a good game and and being surprised when Seattle opened the scoring and and just not necessarily running away with it, but you know, just them winning it was such a surprise, and it was so exciting for about 24 hours until Atlanta lost to Toronto, but exciting nonetheless. Um, and, and again, just that was such an upset. Um, in hindsight, not so much, but at the time, big deal. Um, the next game that came to mind was LAFC versus San Jose, and this was at Bank of California. This is the game that Vela scored, that amazing goal where he just put like four dudes on the ground on the way to the goal. Um, and... I think San Jose gets a bad rap in that game because the scoreline was like four to one or three to one. Like it was pretty one-sided. But for those that watched the game, like San Jose actually played pretty well. They they created lots of good chances. They just couldn't finish, which of course not. They don't really have that much attacking talent. But they were honestly going blow for blow with LAFC. They just weren't really putting a, the stamp on things. But that game was just super exhilarating. I mean, you get a, a high-press team like LAFC that plays great, beautiful soccer, and then a team like San Jose that's just so chaotic on the field with their crazy man-marking, and it was such a fun matchup to watch, um, and I, that game just really sticks with me, even though it didn't really... And I think it was a midweek match, too, so it wasn't a whole lot surrounding the game, not a whole lot of hype or anything, but it was fun to watch anyway. Um the next game that came to mind was LA United against Minnesota United, the second game ever for these clubs, the snow game, um, when Atlanta won 6-1. And, I mean, that game was just so memorable and so exciting for so many reasons. Obviously, Atlanta scored a ton. The orange ball came out. The snow was just wild. Um, and that was just sort of a fun game from start to finish, again, especially as an Atlanta fan. But even for a neutral, I think watching two expansion teams go at it and just how wild that game was. Uh, another big one, uh, Spurs versus Ajax, the Champions League semifinal from this past year. Um, their comeback was just unbelievable. And that's one of the few times I've gotten up and just done laps in my living room at just how hyped I was at the finish of a game. It was just astonishing that Spurs were somehow able to score a goal to win at the end. Um, it's just so unlikely with the way they were, they had been playing in, in that um, in that tie, and then in the quarterfinal before against um, Man City. So that game was crazy. Um, another one that I'm sure a lot of people feel this way, Liverpool versus Barcelona, the second leg of the, I guess it was also the semifinal um, this past year. I mean, that was, again, Liverpool scoring off the free, the, the throw-in like that was just absurd and so clever and shocking for Barcelona to blow that lead again. And then uh, after that, MLS Cup, we talked about that earlier. Just a, a good game again as an Atlanta United fan. Um, will always be unforgettable. 
And then uh, I'm, I'm with you. I watched the women's national team play against Netherlands in the final at Mercedes-Benz before the Red Bulls game. And uh, that will be another unforgettable one um, because just seeing our country win a championship like that was just such a cool moment. And, I mean, the whole tournament is just all about the women and the equal pay and, and Rapino getting into it with our president. Um, so just so many storylines surrounding the, the women's team this past summer. And to watch them win uh, was a really cool thing, especially how they got there. And, you know, no offense to the Netherlands, but there were definitely some tougher opponents before that. And the women really battled their way through it. And they, they got that reward at the end by overcoming Netherlands. So there's a bunch of games, but they were all uh, super exciting and some of the best games I've watched, whether it was the matchup head-to-head like LAFC and San Jose or if the outcome was special in terms of MLS Cup and the Women's World Cup Final. Um, but all of them super interesting, super fun to watch. Definitely games that, you know, <laughs> with all this time off, I'll probably have to go back and revisit a couple of them. Yeah, yeah, I think I go back to that Women's World Cup Final and like yeah, like you said, that final. I mean, it was cool uh, against the Netherlands, two nothing. Um, it was kind of lame that the first goal was a penalty kick, but I thought Roosevelt's goal was pretty good to clinch it. But in that tournament, I think back to the England semifinal, um, where I thought England played them the best out of everyone in the tournament. Um, and Alyssa Nair coming up with that really big penalty kick save was fun. So that was a really fun tournament, like you said. That was a fun run to watch. But I think. For the best games I've watched, I think recently, um, I think it was right before COVID-19 put a break on MLS, was LAFC in Philadelphia. Um, the best thing I remember about that game was a Jacob Lesness that I don't even know how far out it was, but that free kick that he hit um, was the best thing I think I've ever seen live because it was like, it was... I think it was like 11-something because MLS doesn't know how to kick off on time. But that's a different topic. And, like, it was super late. I don't know what I was doing up. But then when he hit that, and that was just like one. It was a 3-3 draw. And I think out of the six goals, five of them were, like, out of this world quality. Like, Vela, this Carlos Vela hit a perfect free kick. Diego Rossi hit a good one. And then Jacob Glesnes I never, I've never heard that name before in my life until that game. So that was fun to watch um, for a neutral, whether you were a fan or not. Um, I think back to the 2012 Champions League final, um, which I mentioned a little bit last week, it was kind of a big game for me getting into the sport um, with Drogba, that late header, and then the penalty kick to clinch it in Munich against Bayern Munich, which I had no idea who Bayern Munich was. So I remember, like, seeing that Chelsea was playing Bayern Munich. I was like, oh, I've never heard of these guys. We'll beat them easy. And then now I'm like, oh, geez, Bayern Munich's, like, one of the best clubs in the world. But so that was fun, um, watching that um, game from afar. I think the 2012 Olympic run for the women's national team was a lot of fun, Um, specifically against, I think it was Canada in the semifinal, because there's kind of this rivalry between Canada and the U.S., because both teams are super good. But Canada's never been able to, like, win a World Cup or win anything meaningful. Sorry, Canadian friends. Um, so there was kind of that rivalry. It was kind of, it was a pretty controversial game for the U.S. to win. Um, and they came back and won. I think it was the Alex Morgan goal, like, at the very end to beat Canada. And they came back and won gold as the summer after losing the World Cup final to Japan. Um, so, yeah, I think the LAFC-Philly game... Um, the Chelsea Bayern Munich game, and yeah, that whole 2012 Olympic run, and the U.S. Ghana game, of course. Um, when Clint Dempsey scored in like what 30 seconds, it was something like that. Yeah, that that was so fun just from him scoring so early again. Like, I don't know if it's because I've watched so many Atlanta sports, but I just kind of come into games with a pessimistic outlook sometimes, and especially with the U.S. men's team. Uh, it's even worse now with them not qualifying for the World Cup and everything. But I remember that game. I remember thinking, 
oh shoot, this is the Ghana team that knocked us out four years earlier. Like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of worried about this game. And then bam, Dempsey scored so soon into that game. And just, I just remember being super jacked up for the rest of that game after that. Yeah, I remember I, I was 14 um, and me and my friends had just gotten into soccer. So like we were at my house, like getting dominoes or something, whatever 14 year olds do. And then I was like leaning to get a piece of pizza. And my friend was like, oh my gosh, they scored. I was like, shut up. Like, that's not funny. No, they did. And then like, I see Clint Dempsey running around in those popsicle jerseys, which hot take best jerseys that the men have ever worn. Oh, all right. All right. Might have some differing opinions from people there. <laughs> but yeah, so we've talked about the good memories we've seen. What about, what are some of the worst games you've watched? Um, thankfully this list is shorter. Um, <laughs> but the, the first one I think of is the champions league final from this past year. Um, getting into soccer, I, I sort of went with Spurs as a Premier League team to follow. Now it's more, I kind of follow all the teams and, you know, follow some players like Miggy. I like to watch Newcastle games now because of him, all that stuff. But, um, yeah, I went with Spurs because of Darren Eels' tie to the club and, and being in Atlanta. But, so, to, to, again, you know, beating Ajax, beating City to get to the final was great. Um, and then, I, you know, I, th- I think you were there too, but went to the Mercedes-Benz to watch the final before, yeah, whoever Atlanta was playing that day. But the second, so me and my friend, who's also sort of, I've kind of converted him to a Spurs fan as well. Uh, we got to the stadium, I think, right as the game was kicking off. And then, of course, like, Mo Salah got that penalty in like the first what was it minute maybe two minutes so that and you know I'm not gonna try to sit here and argue that Spurs like deserve to win if they had won because I mean the Liverpool team that we're witnessing right now is just so out of this world um including last year's Champions League uh winning team but that being said that there being a penalty and a goal so early on, I feel like just ruined the entertainment value of the game. It was just so hard to watch after that. And then especially after Liverpool got their second goal, it just didn't even matter at that point. So from like a neutral standpoint and from like an enjoyment standpoint of actually watching the game, like that's one of my least favorite games ever, not just because of the result, but because the game itself was just so uninteresting. And even the, it was way less interesting than the year before when uh, Real Madrid won, because I mean, come on, Gareth Bale, like overhead kick, like unbelievable, so much more entertaining. So definitely lacked some of that pop in this most recent one. So one of my least favorite games for sure. Um, the Atlanta United Red Bulls game in 2018 in the fall when the supporter shield was on the line and Atlanta traveled up to Harrison and they just got straight up embarrassed. It was so bad. And I remember being so excited for the game, especially after how, terrible the game in may went and i mean red bulls just made la and i look like a joke um just pressed them off the field and i think the score was two nothing and it could have been a million times worse than that so not a fun game to watch um another la United game that sucked uh was against cincinnati in the home opener last year i was sitting behind this family and this gentleman was just complaining the whole time about Frank DeBoer's tactics, and here's my favorite part. Anybody who likes college football will get a kick out of this. This man was sitting there comparing DeBoer to Will Muschamp, the coach of South Carolina, and he was like just going on and on about how DeBoer doesn't know what he's doing, and he's like the most boring coach ever, and the game was super boring, which to be fair, like Atlanta was playing a very boring game. There were tons of sideways passes, and it was not entertaining at all, but it was just so funny to see this guy try to compare soccer to SEC football, and that was that part was super entertaining. But the game itself, boring and frustrating, given how poor the start of the season was. And then the uh, my last game on this list is the U.S. men's team against Belgium, and in in the 2014 World Cup. Um, in general, it was a super entertaining game, but obviously the outcome and uh yeah Wondolowski missed the goal or whatever and but that didn't really bother me so much what bothered me was that 
they the men like they just hung in for so long and pushed it to extra time and you know Tim Howard just literally stood on his head to to keep the team in in the game and to just not get anything out of that especially after having beat Portugal and uh, or tied Portugal um, and beat Ghana and and just to have made it that far and again to go into extra time and the the performance that Tim Howard was putting on to just walk away you know losing it, it just sucked so. Uh, one of my least favorite games on that list as well. So, what about you? What are some uh, some of the worst games you've watched and maybe left a bad taste in your mouth? Yeah, you mentioned a little, but that Portugal game um, might top the list because I remember I think against was, Belgium. What? Belgium? Portugal? Portugal? Yeah, Portugal. Yeah, when they drew. Um, because I think Jermaine Jones's goal either leveled it or took a 1-0 lead. Um, and then Clint Dempsey scored. It's like the weirdest goal I've ever seen. He just like hit it with his stomach, and it went in. And they had the lead. Um, and I don't remember who for Portugal scored to tie it. But I just remember thinking that like we had Portugal beat like this team with Ronaldo and like this ridiculous uh, side, and the U.S. had him beat. But it was definitely one of those. It was a draw that felt like a loss. So, and then after that, they played Germany. Um, and I, th- I think they lost one nothing to Germany, which that wasn't too disappointing for me, just because Germany obviously went on to win the whole thing. So I wasn't too disappointed about that. But I think about, I think it was Decision Day 2018 in Toronto, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that was a bad one. Yeah, because Atlanta United. Still had a shot to win Supporter Shield, um, but they blew it a little bit, like you mentioned, against that game against the Red Bulls. And I think it was a 4-1 loss. Like, it was similar to that game you talked about in Harrison. Like, it wasn't even close. And which, it was good that some people um, think that that game kind of pushed them to their MLS Cup run. But, I mean, it was like, we thought, we pretty much figured that Almiron was leaving um, Tata had had announced that he was gone, so it would have been cool. And I think if they had won that game, another hot take. I think you could say that that was the best MLS team ever, because that would have broken Toronto's point total, record total, um, from 2017. So if they had won that game, that and an MLS Cup, I think it would have been pretty hard to say that they weren't the best team ever. Um, but that was I remember watching that in the Chili's in Gainesville, Georgia, with my family. So I have bad memories in that Chili's now. Um, yeah, those two were deaf. And the 2011 Women's World Cup final, that was like my first soccer heartbreak, I think. Because um, the women had got to the final, and I didn't know a lot about the women's national team. I knew they were good. Um, they had gotten to the final against Japan and lost in penalty kicks. Um, so that was my first taste of penalty kick heartbreak. Um, so, yeah, I think, yeah, the Women's World Cup final decision day, when I think it was a 4-1 loss. I'll have to, have to double-check on that. Um, and then the U.S.-Portugal draw, which, as I say it, it doesn't sound bad given the situation we're in now with the men's national team to tie with Portugal. Um, if you give me that now, I'll take it every day. But just they had them beat, and I was so excited because, like, that was a group of death, and... I mean, at that time, I thought, forget about advancing. The U.S. is going to win the whole thing. It's going to win the group. But it was a late Yeah, you're totally right. Yeah. That Portugal game, you're right. I mean, if it, objectively, 2-2 draw against Portugal, fantastic. But the fact that they scored at literally the last second was super heartbreaking. Um, and so about that women's final in 2011, funny story. Um, so this is 20, it was 2011, right? Uh, my little 10 year old brother was watching the game with myself, uh, my family and my girlfriend at the time. And she also a soccer player. And remember this is before I even really cared that much about soccer, but I wasn't super interested yet. But anyway, so we're watching, you know, of course, big deal. It's our country. Like who, who's not watching. And, um, like myself at the 20 at the 2006 world cup final my little brother decided to cheer for the team that nobody else was cheering for so for some reason he decided that he wanted to cheer for japan in this final and uh 
you know, maybe that's traitorous. I don't know. But yeah, for some reason he decided he wanted to cheer for it, a little 10 year old brother. And, and he was the only one that was happy at the end of that. Once we lost on penalties, it was like, like he said, it was super heartbreaking. And here's my little brother just like deciding to be a little punk and, and cheer against everybody else. And he got what he wanted, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was not because they had kind of been, which is crazy to think that you would call this a drought, but they hadn't won one since '99. So I think everyone, and probably just because the high standard that the women's national team has set for themselves, it was kind of like they they got a breakthrough eventually. Um, so seeing them lose like that was was pretty devastating. But then they turned around and won gold in 2012, and now. Uh, going back to COVID-19, they talked, I think it's still in discussion about delaying the Olympics um, this past summer, but I don't think we have an official word on that yet, which would be a really big bummer for the women's national team. Um, But it might help because Alex Morgan might be able to come back a little easier. Oh yeah, that's a good point. But yeah, so yeah, thanks again, listeners, for listening to the MLS Multiplex podcast, uh, just our second episode. Um, and yeah, thanks Josh for talking as always. Yep. Thanks. Thanks for having me. This is, it's nice to still be able to talk soccer, uh, even with the, the little amount that's happening right now. Yeah. So yeah, if you didn't listen, uh, please go back and check out uh, episode one, uh, our first ever episode. Um, and yeah, thanks again for listening and for even more soccer content during the break, uh, please visit MLSMultiplex.com. Um, writers getting out really good stuff during this break. Um, and follow us on Twitter uh, at MLS Multiplex for the website, myself at Drew T. Hubbard, and Josh at Josh underscore Boland. Um, and yeah, we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to the MLS Multiplex podcast. You can check out all of the contributors' written work on MLSMultiplex.com.